Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, this is Ian Happ from the Chicago Cubs. I'm excited to announce that my show, The Compound, is now part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Join me and my teammates, Dakota Meckes and Zach Short. This week, we welcome Cubs first baseman, World Series champion, Anthony Rizzo, to The Compound. Check it out. Subscribe. The Compound on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Aaron. History title. Bang! Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. It is good to be back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank, flying solo here in a late June edition as we have a horse race to handicap. That's right, it's the 152nd running of the Belmont Stakes at Belmont Park in New York. Obviously, a different set of circumstances this year surrounding the Triple Crown in horse racing. Normally, by this time, we'd be done with all three races, but instead, we're just getting started due to the pandemic. The Belmont, for the first time ever, will be the first leg of the Triple Crown, and it will be run, obviously, on Saturday at the end of June. Early September, we'll have the Kentucky Derby, and then a month after that, in early October, the Preakness goes off at Pimlico. So certainly different. You can argue if it's easier or harder to win the Triple Crown this year, but we're just trying to win some money here on Full Slate. So I am going to break down each horse post by post, and hopefully, by the end of this, you feel confident enough in my place to tail along, and maybe we find us at the window on Saturday. 
at about 6 o'clock Eastern time. Let's get it started, though, with the number one horse in the field. As I said, it's a 10-horse field. We're just going to go one through 10, post by post. And the number one horse is Tap It to Win, who is sitting at 6-1 to one on the morning line. Uh, and it is an interesting horse, one that I uh, have did some research on and had a difficult time getting a read on, quite frankly. This was a horse that um, has three wins in five races, but the other two races finished 10th in. So uh, certainly a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde there with Tappet to win. 6-1 to one at the morning line. Hard to know where the money's going to come because you do have the three wins. And remember, if you're betting horse racing, uh, you are not locked into the odds that you see, those morning line odds. If you're new to betting horse racing, it always moves as the money moves. So uh, we'll get more into this later when we talk about the favorite, Tis the Law, the number eight horse. Uh, but as far as tap it to win, I'm not really sure if I have a good read here on if there's going to be a, 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 some support at the window for the number one. Uh, but I can just say this is a wide range of outcomes horse for me. Last start came two weeks ago at Belmont Park in a race that was uh, similar in length to the Belmont. Uh, this was a mile and 16th, a win for Tappet to win. As I said, three wins and two 10th place finishes. Uh, I mentioned that mile and 16th distance that it won on at Belmont. That's another thing that's different about the Belmont Stakes this year. It is a mile and an eighth race. Normally, the Belmont would be the longest of the three races at a mile and a half. But this year, it is a much shorter race, the idea being that you have your horses kind of build up to that longer distance being the mile and a half, but with things all out of whack this year on the horse racing calendar as well, uh, we haven't had that opportunity for a lot of these horses, so they wanted to shorten the race. So it is a mile and an eighth, which instead of a mile and a half, which means that there's only one turn in the race instead of two. Uh, so that's also important to note. And just for reference, the Kentucky Derby is a mile and a quarter, and the Preakness is a mile and three sixteenths. So the Belmont, similar in length to the other two races, as opposed to the longest of the three. So I mentioned Tappet to win, having some success on this track two weeks ago at Belmont Park. John Velasquez is a jockey's name that might ring some bells, has won two Belmonts. In 2007 with Rags to Riches and in 2012 with Union Rags. Uh, so a wide range of outcomes here on the number one horse, Tap It to Win. Somebody that I do think I am going to use uh, and I have budgeted for my plays, uh, but not someone I want a ton of stock in uh, for the reasons I said, kind of a wide range there. So that's our number one horse. Let's go to number two where I have a little bit of more interest in, uh, priced a little shorter, and that's Sol Volante uh, at 9-2 to two on the morning line. The name means Flying Sun in Italian. Uh, and this horse actually ran last Wednesday, so only 10 days in between races, which you might look at as a negative, but normally you think about the Triple Crown and the first two the first two legs, the Kentucky Derby to the Belmont, I'm sorry, the Kentucky Derby to the Preakness, you, you get two weeks in between anyway. So I don't think that's a huge detractor. And at that race at Gulfstream Park, uh, Solvalante picked up a victory. So this is a horse that has been making money for the betters that have been backing it. 
six races in its career, and uh, he's never finished worse than third in any of them, and he's got four wins. So he's hitting the board every time, which is what we like to see. Uh, before June 10th, uh, Sol Volante last ran on March the 7th. So that also goes back to my point about how I'm not that concerned about the fact that it's only 10 days in between races for this horse. Horse was pretty fresh before running at Gulfstream Park and picking up a victory uh, 10 days ago. So uh, I, I am interested in this horse. The owner, uh, it's an Italian name. Obviously, I mentioned the name of the horse, Italian family that owns the horse. The owner said that the horse is in the best shape he's ever been in right now, fitness-wise and mentally. Closing speed seems to be a strength uh, for this horse. So maybe a little hindered by the fact that it's a shorter race. Normally, when you think about horses that close well, you would think that the longer track would benefit them more. This only being a mile and eighth, maybe that is a little bit of a detractor here. Nonetheless, I think the record speaks for itself here. Six races, there's some more inexperienced races in this field. Six starts, four wins, hitting the board every time. I think Sol Volante is absolutely a horse that you have to look at. And I'm not exactly uh, breaking any news here. This is the second choice in the race. So that's your number two horse, Sol Volante. Absolutely, I think, worth a look. Moving on to the number three horse where we have Max Player coming in at 15 to 1 on the morning line odds. And I don't have a ton here other than I'm just not interested in a horse that has not raced in four and a half months. Uh, the last race that this horse ran in was on February the 1st. Uh, and uh, the horse was scheduled to run in the Wood, Wood Memorial excuse me, in April, but that race got canceled. Uh, so another jockey, by the way, that is going to ring some bells, uh, Joel Rosario. Uh, but at 15 to 1, you know, maybe a longer price, I might be more intrigued. This does seem to be a talented horse, uh, but I, I, I worry about the rust. One other thing here that I'll add, this is the first grade one stakes race from Max Player. You'll often hear grade one, grade two, grade three stakes races when they're talking about the past race results for these horses. What does that mean? Uh, well, it's a way to uh, statistically analyze the quality of the field. And so a grade one race is the highest you can get, um, which gives you a feel for the competition that these horses have gone against. But nonetheless, again, as I said, uh, Max Player, not a horse I'm interested in, in any exotics whatsoever, uh, somebody that I will pass on. Moving right along and getting to the number four horse, which is an interesting one, Modernist, coming in at 15 to 1 on the morning line, uh, won two of three starts at this mile and an eighth length. So uh, you think that the distance would uh, perhaps play a role here? If A lot of these horses, I should say, are comfortable uh, in the shorter lengths. Again, all coming back to my point earlier that this race kind of had to be a shorter distance uh, for enough horses to be interested. Uh, and so this is, again, a horse with two out of three wins uh, in, in its starts in 2020. Has hit the board in four of five races. Uh, the trainer is a name that might sound familiar, Bill Mott, who uh, was the trainer with last year's controversial Kentucky Derby winner, Country House, 
Uh, and Country House, if you remember, ended up winning at a very long price, 66-1. to 1. Uh, It ended up going off at last year at the Derby. Uh, Bill Mott, traditionally in the Triple Crown horse races, has been a guy, that was not the first time, that he has hit the board with a longer-priced horse in the 20-40-1 to 40 to 1 range. He has found some success in the Triple Crown with before. Modernist, again, 15-1 to 1 on the morning line. Uh, there could be some support for him based on what I just said, same trainer as last year's Kentucky Derby winner. I will say one thing that's concerning, there's a lot of speed figures out there that help gauge just that, how fast the horse is, uh, and modernist speed figures are some of the lowest in the field. Uh, so I think this is going to have to be a horse that stays close to the pack uh, because you're not going to really be able to see a big surge uh, in, in the final three, four furlongs uh, from modernist. So having said all that, uh, I think this horse is talented enough to make some noise. As I said, having won two of three starts at this distance, a mile and an eighth, hit the board in four of five career races, I think it's a horse worth using in some exotic wagers, trifectas, exactas, however you want to dial it up. Uh, I think when we're looking at these mid-priced 15-to-1s, we're going to get to another in a minute, the number five horse, uh, Farmington Road, but three through five, I'll just tell you right now, Max Player, Modernist, Farmington Road. Modernist is probably the one I'm most interested in, uh, and so uh, it is a horse that I will look to be using uh, in an exotic wager or two. want to wrap up the first half of the field with Farmington Road. I just mentioned him, another horse, at 15-1. to 1. Uh, The trainer's name will definitely ring some bells. I mentioned Bill Mott with Modernist. Todd Pletcher is the trainer with Farmington Road. And uh, also, again, a jockey name that you'll probably you hear almost every year, Javier Castellano. Uh, but not a horse I am very interested in. Modernist has, or I'm sorry, Farmington Road has only hit the board in three out of six races, and of the three that it did not hit the board in, uh, two of those three were the two uh, the two graded stakes races that he ran in. So again, when we talk about the grading of the field, uh, Farmington Road has only ran in two. Uh, graded stakes races at all, and uh, in both of those races uh, did not hit the board. So I think that kind of tells you something right there. Fourth at the Arkansas Derby last month, which was a grade one race, uh, fourth at the Risen Star back in February, uh, a grade two stakes race, and as I said, the other uh, races not of the graded stakes variety. So I question the experience here of Farmington Road now coming into a triple crown horse race. And uh, at the end of the day, I think this is a middle of the road horse that is priced like a middle of the road horse, you know, 15 to one. So there's not really much value there either, right? Like we like to use that term in gambling. And sometimes if you look at a, if Farmington Road was 30 to one on the morning line, maybe I'm a little more interested knowing that there's probably not going to be a lot of support for a horse there. So, again, not somebody that's – I think there's going to be a lot of support for anyway. So, I think probably goes off longer than 15-1. to 1. But having said that, 
Um, there's just not much sex appeal here. There's not much that really attracts me to this horse other than the Todd Pletcher being the trainer, who's a very popular trainer. But uh, just a theory that I'll throw out there on this too. Todd Pletcher has two horses in this field, as does uh, Steve Asmussen. And uh, sometimes I wonder if the trainers that have multiple horses in the field don't just throw a second horse in there to see how he would do. And I'll get to number nine later on. That's Dr. Post, which is Pletcher's other horse. But Post seems much more likely to hit the board here than Farmington Road. So sometimes I wonder if Pletcher didn't really put most of his eggs in the Dr. Post basket and didn't just throw Farmington Road in there to kind of just see how he would do. I, I, I would not be surprised if that's a strategy from these trainers with certain horses that they are maybe less sure about. And that's what I'm, my point is with Farmington Road. I'm just less confident in him as a horse I want to use. Uh, so I will be passing on the number five Farmington Road. Let's take a break, and then we'll get through six through ten in the Belmont Stakes field. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all the UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC all day long, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. And with that, Greg Frank back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast flying solo here on a Friday as we look at the Belmont Stakes field, the 152nd running of the Belmont Stakes at Belmont Park in New York. Obviously, things very different this year. The race, as I've mentioned, is shorter. Normally, it's a mile and a half, all the way down to a mile and an eighth this year. It's the first leg of the Triple Crown for the first time ever. And we're running through the field. If you're just joining us, uh, well, you can go back and listen to the first 15 minutes. But I will say, uh, as we get back into it, of the first five horses, I have some interest in number one, Tap It to Win, number two, Sol Volante, and number four, Modernist. I am out on number three, Max Player, and number four, uh, number five, excuse me, Farmington Road. Speaking of a couple of other horses that I am out on, I'm going to run through six and seven pretty quickly here. Number six is four left, coming in at 30 to one on the morning line. Uh, this is a sprinter, you know, a horse that uh, has often ran shorter races. Nine starts, but only one of those nine starts has been over a mile. Uh, late entrant into the field here as well. And going back to my point with some of these sources that we just don't know a lot about, or quite frankly, how ready are they for this kind of race, right? And when you look at all of those races being, uh, with the exception of the American Pharaoh Stakes, which was all the way back in last September, was a graded one race, but eight of nine 
have been a mile or shorter for four left, this is not encouraging. Uh, and so probably a horse that wouldn't even be in this field if it were a mile and a half. I mentioned it was a late entrant, but it's a horse that I am not really looking at at all and moving on. And with that, I'm moving on to another horse that I'm not paying much attention to, and that's Jungle Runner, who is right now at about 50 to 1 on the morning line. And quite honestly, I just don't see what about this horse makes anybody interested. Just two wins in eight career starts. And I mentioned the multiple trainer theory that I kind of have here, where, you know, they throw one horse in that is a short or middle-of-the-road price horse, and then they have a long shot in there. Mentioned that with Pletcher. Well, that's Steve Asmussen as well. Asmussen is a trainer that also has number 10, Pneumatic, who we'll get to later, but he has seven here, Jungle Ro- Jungle Runner, excuse me, and I just get the sense that most of his eggs are in the Pneumatic basket, and he's just taking a flyer here with Jungle Runner to see how his other horse can kind of fare. Uh, it's not a horse that I expect to be live at this long of a price. As I said, just two wins and eight career starts. It's another horse I would ignore. Just the opposite, though, in terms of horses that we need to pay attention to at this Belmont Stakes. It's the favorite, number eight, Tis the Law, morning line 6-5. to five. Absolutely not going to go off at 6-5, to five. Uh, and I'll get to that in a little bit later as when I break down how I am betting on this race. Uh, but simply put, this is the most talented horse in the race. This horse is most likely going to win the race as long as it is a clean race, you know, no blips. Nothing quirky like last year's Derby where we had maximum security disqualified. Uh, This horse has won four of five starts, and two of those four wins were at grade one stakes races. Uh, The Champagne Stakes last fall, winning by four lengths, and a very impressive win at the grade one Florida Derby earlier this year. Uh, And so that right there, when you have two grade one stakes wins uh, and the rest of the field doesn't have any, That should be pretty telling, and uh, I will admit, I don't know a lot about the trainer, Barkley Tag. Uh, I was only eight years old when uh, Barkley Tag had Funny Side in the 2003 Triple Crown, uh, who nearly won the Triple Crown, so certainly uh, a guy that probably knows what he's doing, uh, but... I'm not that familiar with the jo- with the jockey either, I should say, Manuel, Manuel Franco. Uh, nice little nugget here. Both of these horses, Funny Side and Tis the Law, were New York bred, for what that's worth, at the Belmont Stakes. Um, but simply put, the history of this horse, as I just went through, suggests it's the most talented in the field. Every race of the five has been a mile and an eighth or shorter, so comfortable with this distance. And this is a triple crown contender. I mean, we can debate this triple crown and how legit it would be. I mean, I think you're going to see some better horses and and some deeper fields in the Derby for sure, and probably the Preakness as well. Uh, But having said that, um, this horse is right there. I would have loved to have seen Bob Baffert had two horses both get injured, Nadal, had a career-ending injury, and 
Uh, Charlatan, a less serious injury, but serious enough to not run here and will not run in the Kentucky Derby either. I would have loved to have seen this horse, and maybe we will see this horse at least go toe-to-toe with Charlatan if Charlatan can get back for the Preakness. Uh, but just on a pure talent perspective, uh, this is the best horse. As I said, I don't have a ton on the trainer other than the funny side uh, run there in 2003 and the jockey, uh, but I'm not sure how much that matters here. As I said, there's always a chance of a quirk here, but when you have two graded one stakes wins, uh, graded stakes wins at the uh, grade one stakes wins, I should say, uh, you're doing something right uh, out, of, out of your five and, and has won four or five races and the lone race, it did not win, uh, still hit the board and came in third. Uh, so absolutely a horse that I will be investing in uh, come post time on Saturday. Uh, speaking of post time, Dr. Post is our number nine horse. Uh, I mentioned Todd Pletcher, uh, who has the number five, Farmington Road. Uh, I can't say I'm that interested in Dr. Post either. Uh, and maybe I'm making a mistake. Pletcher is a respected trainer, but uh, only three races ran for Dr. Post coming into this Belmont and no graded stakes entries. So that right there tells me, I, you know, not sure about the experience in terms of the fields and what they're up against. It's like when you're going into March Madness and, you know, you always have that automatic bid team from a mid-major league that didn't play anybody in the non-conference. So we don't really know how good they are, really. That's how I feel about this horse, Dr. Post. Maybe there's something there, right? It's only three horses. Just like maybe there's something in that team that wins that mid-major league that just didn't get an opportunity in the non-conference to play a big school, and then they're going to play somebody big in the March Madness. Maybe Dr. Post, I mean, it's priced at 5-1 to one on the morning line, certainly suggesting that of all the horses that could give Tiz the Law a run, maybe it's this one. Speed figures are good here, too. Uh, but how does he match up in a better field? As I said, the no-graded stakes entries of the three previous races was just something I couldn't get past. Um, but, hey, you got good speed figures. you got a good trainer. If you want to put Dr. Post in some of your exotics, I'm not going to blame you. I think that makes sense to a degree. Uh, I'm looking elsewhere personally. Um, but I mentioned Pletcher trained rags to riches in 07, won the Belmont, won the Belmont in 13 with Palace Malice, won the Belmont in 17 with Tapret. Uh, he also has a couple Kentucky Derby wins, Super Saver in 2010, Always Dreaming in 2017. Uh, so a credentialed trainer, uh, but some soft fields in those races at Gulfstream Park, which is where Dr. Post picked up his two wins. I don't think the price here at 5-1 on the morning line, I don't, I don't think it matches up with the resume for Pletcher. So so often we talk about, you know, a uh, point spread tax in football where, you know, you're just paying a premium for a team or something like that because they've been, they got the big-name quarterback or something. I, I think that might be going on here. So I threw in a couple of other sport analogies there. Uh, all of it is to say that I don't think the price matches up here with the resume for Dr. Post, uh, and so I will pass on the number nine horse. And then I'll wrap things up here with the number 10, and that is Pneumatic. At 8-1 to one on the morning line, the second Steve Asmussen horse in this field, and 
I'm very interested now. I'll, I say all of this, and Pneumatic also does not have a lot of experience. Just three starts and no grade one stakes races. Uh, but two wins earlier this uh, year at Oaklawn Park. And I read something interesting about Pneumatic that it was a younger horse, a younger three-year-old that probably would not have opted to the uh, – Steve Asmussen probably would not have – and the owner of the horse probably would not have threw this horse in the field if things were not uh, you know, changed with the mile and an eighth distance. So uh, that right there tells me that they think they can win. And Asmussen, the trainer here, does have some success in the Triple Crown – winning the Belmont just four years ago with Creator and go back to the first decade of the 21st century in 2007, winning the Preakness with Curlin, and 2009, winning the Preakness with a Philly, Rachel Alexandria. So uh, I think this horse is live to win the race. And if you're looking for a horse that could throw Tis the Law off and, and be able to steal it, I think it's pneumatic. So uh, it just seems like the talent of this horse relative to the other horses not named Tis the Law is right there. And so if you're going to give me an 8-1 to one price uh, with a couple of wins earlier this year and a good trainer, uh, I will take my chances. So uh, I am definitely going to be using pneumatic. And, uh, again, I think if there's a horse – if you told me that – Tis the Law is not going to win the race, then I would say it's because Pneumatic did win. So, uh, again, a couple of wins at Oaklawn, uh, a third-place finish at Churchill Downs in a Kentucky Derby prep race at the end of May. Uh, so, I mentioned Dr. Post, only three races, but no graded stakes races. Uh, and so, you did have, that was a grade three stakes race at Derby Prep last month. Uh, so, again, I, I'm going to take a chance on the talent of a younger three-year-old here with Pneumatic uh, and, and look to use him with, with a good trainer as well. So now we've reached the part we've all been waiting for. It's the bets, how am I breaking up my ticket, uh, my tickets, I should say, how do I want to budget things, Uh I am going to give you a $100 budget here of, of how I am going to use my uh, my bankroll and how I want to play this race. Uh, if you couldn't tell, there's four horses here that I'm particularly interested in. And in post order, that's the number two horse, Sol Volante, uh, who's the second choice in the race. The number four, Modernist, uh, who's 15 to 1 on the morning line. Number eight, the favorite, Tis the Law. And I just finished talking about number 10, Pneumatic. So that right there, normally what I like to do, I like to try and narrow it down to, in a 10-horse field, I'll try and find three or four that I really want to use, and I'll play a trifecta box. So I am going to use a trifecta box with two, four, eight, and 10. Um, and hope that I get three of them to hit the board and hit this trifecta. Uh, $2 trifecta box is normally my preferred cup of tea. So that right there, $2 trifecta box with four horses, that's a $48 cost. Then what I'm also going to do, and this I mentioned this with Tis the Law, do not straight bet Tis the Law to win the race. If you want to bet Tis the Law, obviously you want to. Uh, 
uh, I think he's probably going to win, then you want to bet him in exactas against the field. And what that means is you're just going to – the exacta is just the top two horses, the trifecta is the top three, the superfecta is the top four. I am going to lock in the horse in first is Tizzle Law, and then I will just bet nine exactas and put every other horse in second place in each ticket. Uh, and so what that does for me is if Tizzle Law wins the race, I will hit the exacta, and then I can just root for one of those longer prices, you know, maybe a four left or a jungle runner who I don't think is really worth looking at, uh, but maybe they can crash the party, and then I can have them on my exacta, and I can make out a little bit better. So I think using Tizzle Law, number eight, in exactas against the field is the move there. That's nine different $2 exactas for $18 total there with the $48 trifecta box. Uh, and again, if you're new to this, the box means it does not matter the order of the race. Um, and so if I don't specify, like I said there, exactas against the field with Tis the Law, then I need Tis the Law to come in first. Uh, the tri box, it doesn't matter. I just need three of those four horses to come in the top three. So that was a $48 tri box. $18 in exactas on Tizzle Law. That gets me to $66 uh, of my budget. And then I am going to do the same strategy in terms of exactas against the field with Pneumatic, the number 10 horse. Uh, again, that's the horse I think can win the race if it's not Tizzle Law. So I will use Pneumatic in exactas against the field. That will also cost $18. So that will get me from $66 to $84. And then the other horse that I had a little bit of interest in all the way back at the beginning of the pod now was the number one, Tap It to Win. And I'm just going to, this is going to be kind of an offset, offsetting bet. If you haven't noticed, 2, 4, 8, 10 are the horses in my try box. And then I went 8 exactas against the field and 10 exactas against the field. So I really like to put all my eggs in my try box and then pick out a horse or two from my try box to use an exactas. So that's what I'm doing there. Uh, and so this bet on Tap It to Win, who's the number one horse who's not in my box, is a $5 across-the-board bet. Across-the-board means you are three separate bets, win, play, show. So it's a $15 in total. And it's just to try and offset things a little bit. So if a horse hits the board that is not in my trifecta box, who do I want it to be? It would be Tap It to Win so that... I can maybe make something back here and mitigate my losses. So that's the reasoning on the across-the-board bet for Tap It to Win. $5 across the board, $15 there. That gets me from $84 budgeted to $99. So that is how I am spending my money on this race. 2, 4, 8, 10, trifecta box, 8 exactas against the field, 10 exactas against the field, and number one, five dollars across the board hope you enjoyed this edition of full slate we just ran through the entire field for the 152nd edition of the belmont stakes fade follow whatever you do best of luck to you all and of course please play responsibly my name is greg frank and thank you for listening to full slate a blue wire gambling podcast